A few days back, a research arm of the Committee for the World Health Organization declared that artificial sweetener aspartame found in diet colas, cookies, breakfast cereals, cough drops, and vitamins had a possible link to liver cancer, but also added it was safe to consume within certain limits. Aspartame has been the buzzword ever since a leaked version of the report made headlines calling the world's most widely used sweetener a carcinogenic. The FDA WHO's aspartame risk sugar substitute artificial sweetener carcinogenic cancer cancer it's a disease 40 milligrams of aspartame is safe. WHO says it still considers the product safe. But the final version has diluted and diffused the bitter shocks about the sweetener, confusing many. Is your diet soft drink a lead to cancer? Or is excessive sugar worse? Well, here is a spoonful of data. A recent study by the Indian Council of Medical Research shows that India is fast becoming the diabetes capital of the world. With over 100 million people with diabetes and another 136 million in the pre-diabetes stage. And ironically, to avert large health issues, many are turning to artificial sweeteners. Social community platform Local Circles has said 38% of urban Indians consume foods with artificial sweeteners every month. And that 91% want brands to display use of these sweeteners on front pack labels, making this debatable edition a promotion point. Doctors across the board have called for stricter labeling. Our own foods regulator, Food Safety and Standards Authority of India or FSSAI is working on its own risk assessment studies before releasing guidance. But conflicting reports and an anticlimactic WHO report seems to have needlessly confused consumers. Well, well, where does that leave you and me? More questions than answers. Sugar-coated facts? Short-changed consumers, right? Let's try and get some answers and bitter realities amid this sugar rush. I speak to Dr. Amrish Mittal, Chairman and Head of Endocrinology and Diabetes at Max Healthcare, Padma Bhushan awardee and the first Indian to be chosen for the Laureate Award. So my fear is that we are consuming a lot of this NSS without knowing. And if we are doing that, we may actually be somewhere near the above or around the recommended marks, upper limits of consumption. We also get an insight of the discussions happening within the Indian Foods Regulator with Dr. Harinder Singh Oberoi, Advisor, Science and Standards and Codex at the FSSAI. People are little, you know, mesmerized as to what should be done at this point in time, or whether they should consume aspartame, they should take non-nutritive sweetener, they should completely stop it, or what is the limit in which they have to consume. It's a little bit confusing, I would say. Also joining me shortly, my colleague and the Morning Brief co-host Kiran Somvanshi, who recently hosted the episode Watch What You Eat and has been tracking the pharma and food space for a decade and a half.
It's Tuesday, July 18th. I'm your host Ratna Bhushan from the Economic Times and you're listening to Teeny Come, the bitter truth of aspartame on the morning brief. A debate that's been raging for long escalated in recent weeks and peaked four days back, that too inconclusively. I'd like to begin with you, Kiran. So on June 28th, Reuters reported that aspartame could be declared a carcinogen by WHO's Cancer Research Agency. A fortnight later, WHO did release its much-awaited report, which said the sweetener is possibly carcinogenic, but remains safe to consume at the existing daily intake guidelines. What do you read into this? So, you know, for for many people, you know, it would seem like pretty watered down verdict from eventually what started off and in 15 days what came out. It could also be kind of a lobby influence report or whatever you call it. So, I believe, Ratna, the stakes involved are quite high. The artificial sweetener market globally is over $7 billion industry. And we know aspartame has been used for many decades now, you know, in different kinds of products such as diet cola and zero sugar sweets and chewing gums and you know what not. So the food and beverage industry will always have a say in any discussion involving aspartame. So they become an important stakeholder in any such discussion. And they have always upheld its usage, saying that it brings down the calories that people are consuming by reducing the intake of sugar. So here, sugar is the villain and anything which is anti-sugar is basically the hero. So aspartame is hero in the food and beverage industry. So how can the hero be wrong? (laughs) And what is the proof, you know, what is the evidence to say that, you know, aspartame has, you know, turned wrong or turned to be bad? especially since they have been using it since 80s. And we have historically seen, you know, in case of big food or even big pharma, whenever you have large companies on the one hand and the general consumers on the other, you know, we have seen whose interest typically gets protected or upheld. So very, very compelling statements and data from you, Kiran. The hero cannot be wrong. Absolutely. So there is, uh, you know, the sugar is the villain and there are, you know, it's a win-win for everyone except the consumer from what it seems. So WHO has said that aspartame is possibly carcinogenic. They have said it in Friday's report. So why can't they just outright ban such sweeteners? So as they say, Ratna, you know, the devil lies in the details. So if you look at WHO's classification, you know, the way they have classified aspartame, they have classified it as a class 2B carcinogen, meaning it is possibly causing cancer. So the ingredient was not classified in the two higher categories. And the higher categories were of, you know, ingredients causing cancer or ingredients probably causing cancer. So it was not classified that way, but it was not even relegated to the fourth category, which says that unclassifiable as far as cancer is concerned. So there is an inherent ambiguity in the way the ingredient has been classified right from the WHO. Now, my sense is that, you know, this is WHO's way of doing its job of warning consumers, given the constraints within which it has to work. The health body, in a way, has been smart in putting out that cursory warning on aspartame without as such recommending any changes to the consumption levels of the ingredient. So they are not saying or they are not asking you to, you know, reduce the way what they have kind of recommended as a dietary supplement or an actual quantity. But they are also telling you to kind of moderate it down. So basically leaving it to the consumers to pay attention to its report. 
and but i feel in today's aware world even such a sly warning even in the way it is being put is enough to kind of trigger discussions and debates and further research that can basically draw out more you know conclusive findings so basically i feel it's something better than nothing kind of a strategy adopted by the who in this instance so i turned to dr ambrish mittal from max healthcare one of india's most recognized doctors in the field of endocrinology and diabetes Dr Mittal the last one month or so has been pretty controversial in the space of you know sweeteners we have had two back to back reports from WHO so just starting straight away should i be worried about having a diet coke daily well surely WHO has sort of stirred a hornet's nest with its releases so they are just stating the science the science is says that possibly aspartame which is the sweetener in diet coke may be carcinogenic now this is what is called a hazard identification which means that this it's possible that it may be carcinogenic it does not go further to specify how much how long whether those quantities are actually ever consumed by humans in a parallel report the who sticks to the earlier recommendation and that is the food additives committee which actually says that there is no change in earlier recommendation so which means that 40 mg per kg of aspartame is all right kg body weight so that's huge so coming back to your question if you go by the who safety committee the joint expert committee on food additives right then 40 mg per kg is a big amount and you will need to consume at least 10 diet cokes a day to cross that okay so one you get it oh my god you know then i am very safe on the other hand the who is saying there is a possibility that it may be a carcinogen although we don't know how much and for how long so therefore what should we do as lay people as people who consume all these products we should minimize their use Okay very very important points there raised by you Dr Mittal at this juncture I'd like to ask you you know there is a statistic which ICMR said in a recent report that India has over 100 million people with diabetes and another 136 million in pre-diabetes stage so very disturbing numbers would you put this surge entirely to the food we eating and lifestyles Ratna you very right within India the more economically developed areas like delhi or chandigarh or goa maybe would have much higher prevalence of diabetes than say a rural part of india you know in jharkhand or bihar so this is an impact of economic development our genes are the same it is the movement of people or the fact that their lifestyle is changing these numbers are staggering this 100 and 130 million is probably more than that and probably will increase further now what do you mean lifestyle is a very vague term you know what do you mean lifestyle lifestyle means three or four things which are very important so the first in that is a change in our dietary habits which means excessive consumption of refined sugars refined carbohydrates you know you order food all the time people in office order food all the time people in even hospitals sometimes order food all the time and you invariably order food that is unhealthy in that regard second point there is the physical activity now physical activity is a norm in rural india you have to get your water or you have to go to the fields or something here we have to find a way to increase our physical activity from our busy schedule 
The third is the stresses that go with living in urban areas and the changes as economic growth happens. The lack of sleep is another. In fact, air pollution is also a contributor to increase in diabetes, by the way. Okay, so what is your advice for Indian food regulators? More stringent labeling, front pack warnings, portion control, what would you say is required, which could help us curb consumption of, so to say, unhealthy foods? I think the awareness amongst the general public about the harm that sugars do is quite missing. I mean, people have become more aware of, they check the fat content sometimes on the food. You know, our biscuits and our chips are all full of trans fats. Sugar contents are not mentioned. In fact, they would say contains no sugar, no added sugar. It contains all these artificial sweeteners we are talking about. So it is important for regulators to emphasize on packaging that there is added aspartame, like in block letters. At least that much so that people are aware. And I mean, there's enough evidence that sugar itself is such a toxin. So I think that is not emphasized enough. So clearly, yes, labeling should be improved and the consumer should have a choice. And the other thing that I will add here while we are at it is that there's lack of availability of healthy foods. It's always easy to say, don't have this, don't have that. What should people have? Where are the high quality vegetables? Where are the fruits that are easily available to everybody? So I think there are changes in that and there's improvement in that, but we are still far from a situation where healthy food is cheaper than unhealthy food. Only way this will work is when healthy food is cheaper than your, your burger or, or samosa. Absolutely. Which brings me to my next question. Low sugar, no sugar foods, for whatever reason, have been growing very rapidly in India aided by heavy marketing push by brands. So obviously, this kind of ambiguous consumption is a challenge, right? It's a big challenge. Yes, of course. In fact, that's my major concern about sweeteners, artificial sweeteners, or non-sugar sweeteners, that's the correct term, NSS. My major concern is that we don't know what we're taking. On Diwali, everyone buys sweets that are sugar-free. Now we have sugar-free sweets. In every party now, you have a sugar-free corner. No, we don't know. How is it sugar-free? Why does it taste sweet? What have they added? How much have they added? So my fear is that we are consuming a lot of this NSS without knowing. And if we are doing that, we may, you know, actually be somewhere near the above or around the recommended marks, upper limits of consumption. So that for me is a big fear. Adding one or two sweeteners to your tea or coffee if you can't resist it is not that harmful. But consuming this without any knowledge of how much we are consuming, I think that is a big danger. I completely agree with you. And that's where we need to focus. It needs to be made mandatory to declare the amount of sweetener and which sweetener in everything in block letters, capital letters, prominently on all packaging. That's very, very important guidance you've given. So Dr. Mittal, there is no clarity in the guidelines and information seems to be half-baked. Do you agree? So, Ratna, the information is not half-baked. WHO has done us a splendid job of putting all the information together. But my problem is that their messaging has been very confusing for the common man because I can judge that by the number of calls I'm getting, the messages I'm getting on my phone in the last few days about this issue. I mean, I think the messaging has to be clear. You can't say two things at the same time when you're communicating with general public. You are certainly speaking the truth and good science, no question. So you have to say that it's possible that it may be associated with cancer. So limit your intake 
to the minimum possible. However, the evidence that the amounts that are consumed right now are actually cancerous or carcinogenic is not there. And leave it at that. That is the simplest way of putting this. I think by putting all this and then saying 40 milligram per kilogram is okay. So on the one hand, you are saying our guidance has not changed. On the other hand, you're saying it's carcinogenic. I think that's undoubtedly confusing. So I disagree with the messaging. Right. So in the interest of consumers, companies, even doctors, don't we need clear guidance and urgently? Yes. So the regulator is also hampered by many things, as I said, because there is no limit, upper limit clearly defined as to what is safe. That is the problem. Defined for safety is so high, then they can be challenged in court that, look, how can you say this? So quite clearly, people need to be aware, but you have to be cautious because when you overactive, overenthusiastic, you may end up with statements that are that do not stand the test of science or time. Regulators have been quite proactive in India in recent past, but I think labeling still requires a lot of push. And I totally agree on that part. So the spotlight is back on the FSSAI that is already dealing with labeling on packaging while health crusaders take to social media to alert the risks associated with so-called healthy treats. So what is the regulator's blueprint? Dr. Harinder Singh Oberoi from the FSSAI answers some critical questions confused consumers like you and me are facing. Sir, two WHO reports on artificial sweeteners are somewhat contradictory. What is FSSAI stand on this? We are just studying those reports. In fact, we took cognizance of the first report, which was very general in nature. That was about all the non-nutritive sweeteners, including the plant-based uh, sweeteners as well, that is stevia. And the second one is uh, specifically about aspartame. So we had a panel meeting wherein we had invited experts. They've given their opinions and uh, also based on what the Codex says, what JECFA says, JECFA is Joint Expert Committee on Food Additives, which does the risk assessment and toxicity studies about all sorts of food additives. So based on that, we'll try to you know, formulate our own guidelines. And this report, which has come from WHO, is more of a guidance document. It's not something which is going to be linked to coming out with any regulation or if we need to make anything mandatory, but it is sort of a guidance it's more like for the people to make informed choices. So we're still analyzing the reports because the studies given are not very substantial to come out with any kind of guideline or any kind of strictures at this point in time. Okay, the US FDA has already said it disagrees with the WHO advisory. What about you? That's what I said earlier, like we haven't formulated anything, we haven't made up our mind yet whether to go by these advisories or to issue any advisories. So our panels are studying this. So FSSA will not come out with any guideline, any advisory, until unless our scientific panels have studied everything in detail and they've done an in-depth analysis. Until that time, I would not like to you know, come out with any kind of advisory or even guidance. Right. But by when do you expect such guidelines or advisories for Indian consumers to come out? So even if the guidelines come out, let me assure you that they'll be very general in nature. What WHO says is that 40 milligram per kg body weight of aspartame is okay. Whether it should be 40 or it should be 42 or 45 or 35, for that we'll need to carry out a study. And that too with the Indian population, Indian subjects. 
and such kind of studies which involve uh, safety analysis, toxicological data, clinical studies generally take a very long time, could be around three to four years or so. So the beverage industry has said that IARC's leaked opinion may have needlessly confused consumers. I'm quoting them verbatim. Do you agree? I think WHO also should have considered the different opinions of different regulators and the studies done on large number of subjects. Because if you do studies only, say, in 12 countries or 15 countries and then try to extrapolate the results, it doesn't give a very clear picture, especially when you are an international organization whose statements have an impact on the entire globe. So it is not that it is confused, but yes, people are little, you know, mesmerized as to what should be done at this point in time. Whether they should consume aspartame, they should take non-nutritive sweetener, they should completely stop it, or what is the limit in which they have to consume. It's a little bit confusing, I would say, but I think some clarification will have to be issued by us. So we can expect that basic clarification sometime, you know, sometime soon? Yeah, hope so. Okay. Sir, uh, you know, you just mentioned that the WHO, the guidelines or whatever, the advisory that they just issued, it was not in consultation with a lot of countries. Was FSSAI consulted before they came out with this? I don't think so. Like, we were not consulted. As far as my knowledge goes, if they consulted us three years back, I don't know about it. But uh, off late, we have not been consulted. Okay, a very important point there. Would you consider telling FNB companies to look for alternatives to artificial sweeteners? And are there any artificial sweeteners in the first place which are safe? Very difficult question, very intriguing question to answer because something called stevia, which comes from plants, is also an artificial sweetener. But then in a previous guidance, which if WHO came out, it was a very broad-based kind of a guidance in which they said that even stevia may not be good. See, the research is very dynamic. It's always good to look for something which come out from plant sources or which come out from the microbial sources. Like if we have a you know, fermentation process in which we are able to develop some kind of sweetness, that will really be good. But then, you know, at this point, let's not jump the gun. Let's not draw any conclusion. It's too early to predict something without doing any kind of risk assessment. The companies, they are pretty well versed about what they're using and how much they're using. It's very clearly mentioned and uh, I don't think they need to be guided about it. And we as a regulator do not go into the manufacturing process or formulation of products. So we leave it to the food business operators to take a call on that. And we can just tell them that it's better that if you have some kind of plant-based non-nutritive sweeteners, any day better than the chemically synthesized non-nutritive sweeteners. We can just tell them that, but this is not again binding on them. Right, absolutely. It has to be based on scientific evidence. You know, what about labeling norms, uh, warning labels on packs that these have artificial sweeteners like aspartame and, you know, restrict the use of it. So is that something that you would consider in the long term? See, we have issued a draft notification on front-of-pack nutrition labeling. And to be honest to you, we have received 14,000 plus comments. And there is complete 180-degree orientation. There are companies which are saying that they should not come out with this, any kind of warnings or statutory warnings or any kind of labels. And then there are groups which are saying that we should come out with these things. Our panels analyzing that situation also as of now. 
So coming out with any kind of restriction may not be very appropriate for us. But yes, guidance can always be given. Not on label, but as we can always come out with FAQs or a guidance note or some kind of a small document on a website. That is the most that we can do. Okay, very compelling statement, sir. You know, talking about consumers, do you believe that uh, this report would cause some doubts in the consumers' minds? And would it impact consumption of products which are artificially sweetened? So I don't think because the population in the urban areas, the ones who are consuming this Diet Coke or Diet Pepsi or any of the diet products, juices or whatever uh, products that are available in the country, would have also taken cognizance or note of the latest report which has come out of from WHO. So everything has to be done in moderation. Absolutely correct, sir. You know, the WHO report, it is a very watered-down report. It is neither here nor there. So is it because of lack of scientific data? Or I have to ask you this, pardon me, is it because of influence of big food companies, big food lobbies, which is speculation in the market? I don't think I'm competent enough to answer about whether it is under influence of some big companies. Going on record, I would say that, yes, the lack of scientific data is quite evident from in the reports because if WHO had done a comprehensive study, the report would have run into some 500 or 1,000 pages. It would have been a very exhaustive report wherein they would have taken the sample size would have been much higher than the sample size reported by them and they would have taken all geographies into consideration and also demographics of the people who are living in different continents because anything coming out from WHO, it's considered as something like a Bible. So I would say that it would have been better that if they had uh, done an exhaustive study before coming out of such kind of guidance or advising. It's very difficult to satisfy everybody, but then at least tell them that this is what the science has brought out. And whatever we are saying is based on science. And because this is one organization which has very large number of stakeholders. In fact, everybody is a stakeholder. Please don't expect us to come out lightning speed saying that, okay, we have done a study and no, we, we are, these are the results. It would take us four to five years before we come out or we, are, we draw any conclusion. Irrespective of when the final guidelines actually see the light of day, companies need to urgently step in and play their parts. Let's hear it from Kiran on the entire sweetener issue from the consumer's lens. needlessly confusing the consumers agreed you know of course it is ambiguous of course it is a little confusing it is not giving a direction to the consumers whether i do stop or i still continue to consume having said all this aspartame or no aspartame there is right now a huge pressure on the food and beverage companies to kind of up their game on improving their overall uh, health and nutrition of their products and this pressure is internal as well as external, like coming right from their, you know, shareholders, large consumer bodies, institutional investors and the whole ESG movement. So they will have to rejig their product portfolios to make them more acceptable, definitely. So while whether consumers pay heed to this WHO report or not, you know, food companies will have to inherently uh, do something about it. They can't not do anything about it, at least for the longer term, if not immediate. So immediate campaigns and all will be done to kind of protect their market share or protect any negative perception coming in from the report. But longer term wise, they will have to invest in research development to kind of improve their overall, you know, health and wellness aspect of their products. Somewhere I feel we won't be much benefited by this WHO 
to report because how many of us will take uh, note of this and will keep reading our product guidelines and the product uh, ingredient list and say oh yeah this is aspartame now i i should be stopping it or this sugar free is not good for me so i i feel sorry for the consumers because at the end of the day they are being shortchanged in all this aspartame 200 times sweeter than regular table sugar was discovered in 1965 by american chemist james schlatter Today, sweeteners are a $7 billion industry and low or zero sugar products such as Diet Coke contribute as much as a third of Coca-Cola's global sales volumes. While the FSSAI says its own guidance is work in progress and could take time, Dr. Mittal has called upon clearer global guidelines and urgent labeling regulation from Indian authorities. In between lack of enough scientific data and reports under alleged global influence we the consumers need to make many more informed choices and take our food much more seriously we hope we've addressed some compelling issues on sweeteners and are signing off on that note you've been listening to tini kam the bitter truth of aspartame on the morning brief and i'm your host ratna bhushan this episode was produced by sumit pande sound editor rajesh naik executive producers anupriya nair anirban choudhury and arijit barman the morning brief drops every tuesday thursday and friday do tune into ed play for all audio content including the morning brief You can listen to our podcast on all major podcast streaming platforms. Thank you for listening and have a nice day ahead. All external sound clips used in this episode belong to their respective owners. Credits are mentioned in the description. <laughs>